Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Do you know that today is an important day? Not only because we're in church and it's Sunday, it's the first day of the week, and you just happen to be at a fantastic church, but it is Pentecost Sunday. Today is Pentecost Sunday, and so I want to talk to you on the, thank you, sir. Wow, I've got really large hands. Mm, thank you. I want to talk to you today about the significance of Pentecost, the significance of Pentecost, and why it is important for us today to experience it. This is something that God unleashed on the earth 2,000 years ago, and it is still in operation today in the lives of the believers, and we know it as the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And so we're going to go to the first place where this happened, the first place, Pentecost Sunday, which is in Acts chapter 2, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts chapter 2, and verse 1. Now, Jesus has risen from the dead. He had spent about 40 days or so with um, his disciples, made several appearances, one time at, at, to 500, over 500 at once. And, uh, and then he ascended into heaven and said, now go and wait for the promise of the Father. Because when he comes, the Spirit is coming, and he's just like me. And he's going to come, he's going to dwell in, in you. And we can see some of this uh, in Jesus' teachings in John chapter 14 and John 16 and 15. But here's where it happens. So now about 10 more days goes by after Jesus has ascended into heaven. And they've been gathering at this place, just waiting. They've been gathering, praying. They've been eating together and just kind of like a, a, a life group, right? And they've just been there together. There's 120 of them. And then this says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Verse 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Let's all say other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is what makes it the other tongue. It's the Spirit giving the utterance, not the person giving their own utterance of their own faculties. This utterance was from the Spirit, this other tongue. Why was this so important? Why did this happen? And we see that after this day, after this happened, we know the Holy Spirit came, and, and, and then people from all over the world Jews had come because this was the time for the feast, and they had all come, and they're hearing these people who were from Galilee speaking in their own dialect, speaking in their own language. God performs this miracle where they all understand what they're saying in their own language. And they said, how is it that these guys are speaking to our language, and they're proclaiming the wonderful works of God? There's a lot of confusion happening. Some of them figured that they were drunk, you know, and Peter, and Peter stands up and articulates, this is an amazing thing, he articulates for them what is happening. How can you put into words what is happening here except by the Spirit of God? See, the Holy Spirit of God, he's, He is this 
mysterious part of God, isn't he? I mean, the Father we can understand, the Son we can understand, the Holy Spirit's just kind of out there, the ethereal, but he's very much God, and he's very much a person, and, and he descended upon Jesus at his baptism, and so we know his operation is so powerful and so important, but, some, but he's so mysterious too at the same time. But with all of that mystery about the person of the Spirit, he's the one who is helping Peter put this into words. He's the one that's giving the revelation to help him help them. And Peter stands up, he says, they're not drunk like you're thinking. He said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. He says, this is, we're in that moment right now. This is what's happening. And he was able to put into words what no one could understand at that moment. This is what the Spirit of God will do. He is a revealer. He's a revealer of these mysteries of God, of these secrets of God. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. But it says the Spirit gave them utterance. Why is this so important? Why is it that the Lord has offered us this gift of other tongues? Anybody want to take a guess? Too mysterious? It's really not all that mysterious. Because our tongues are guiding our lives. Period. Our tongues are guiding our lives. This is the rudder, if you will. It's guiding the vessel of your life. James chapter 3, let's turn over there. What is the significance of Pentecost? What is the significance of these other tongues? So that God could empower you to get the word in your mouth, to declare an utterance of the Spirit with your own tongue so that then you can walk into that. You can, you're, you're creating this world. You're framing this world with these words. And he's offering, this is so powerful to me, he's offering you the words. He's offering you the building material to live the God kind of life. It's amazing. But this mind right here, it shuts down when this is happening. It doesn't get it. It's foolish. To this day, I've been speaking in tongues almost my entire life. And to this day, my mind's going, this is stupid sounding. Right? To this day, it's, uh, you would think after a while I could start comprehending what I'm saying. But it just don't work. Paul says the mind is unfruitful. When you pray in the Spirit, the mind is unfruitful. <laughs> so I can't expect to get this here. This is an experience that comes out of the Spirit, and God attaches it, whoa, to my tongue and to my voice, and I'm able to then put this thing in a, have a tangible experience with the Spirit. It's amazing. All right, uh, James chapter 3, and this is the amplified, uh, the classic version. It says, for we all often stumble and fall and offend in many things. And if anyone does not offend in speech, watch this, never says the wrong things. Oh, <laughs> uh, we all missed that one. Uh, never says the wrong things. <laughs> he is a fully developed character and a perfect man, able to control, watch this, his whole body and to curb his entire nature. Wow, if you could just get the right stuff in your mouth. Right? If you just say the right stuff that says that this brings you to maturity, to completion, and you're able to have total self-control. See, self-control isn't so much about what I'm abstaining from as much as it is what I'm saying. Mm 
and we need to abstain from things, and that's all. But your words are empowering you to either fail or to win. Able to control his whole body and to curb his entire nature. This is an amazing thing. Verse 3, if we set bits in the horse's mouths to make them obey us, we can turn their whole bodies about. So now Paul, or James has given us some analogies, some illustrations about the, what this tongue in our mouth is really about, what it's doing. Likewise, look at the ships. Though they are so great and driven by rough winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the impulse of the helmsman desires. Wow. So your, your tongue, it puts your potential into action. It's, it is the de- determining factor for how you live your life. It can create, it can destroy, it can build up, it can tear down, it can encourage, it can discourage. All the potentials there. Your tongue can produce life or death. Isn't that what the word says? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. What a gift this is from God. Because he helps us, the scripture says, in our weakness. Go over to Romans chapter 8. Brooke, I'm sorry I didn't give this one to you. It just came to me. Brooke Brooke chapter (laughs) 8. I didn't know she wrote this, did you? Romans chapter 8, verse 20, let's start in 25, somewhere around there. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Right? How many of you think you know how to pray in here? Yeah. I mean, come on. I know how to pray, but Paul says we don't know always how to pray for as we ought. Why? Because we're living in this body. We've got this limited thinking, right? So there, there are things in the spirit that, that we're unaware of or, or don't know, or maybe we don't know how to put it into words, right? Sometimes you get that kind of unction, some kind of urgency. Sometimes you feel like you need to pray. You don't know really what's going on. You go to the fridge. You think, maybe I should just eat something, you know, and you look, you're like, no, it's not that. It's kind of got this irritation, this agitation going on, but you don't really know how to put it into words. And this is what this is about. We don't know how to, what we should pray for as well, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be put into words. So how is he, how is this, this is what the baptism of the Spirit, this is how it's really going to help you. He's the one who's given you this utterance. He's given you these words to say so that he can intercede on your behalf. It helps you in your weakness. In other words, the Spirit helps you know always what to pray. He'll give you the word so that you can always pray the right prayer. Ooh, that's an amazing thought, isn't it? Verse 27. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. My my family, if anybody knows how to pray the will of God, it's the Holy Spirit. huh? Doesn't he know how to pray? And when he's giving you that utterance, that utterance of the Spirit that comes out sounding like yabba-dabba-doo, there's something powerful happening here. You're speaking the will of God. This is a prayer you can't screw up. When I was a kid, I can remember one of, the, one of the, the lures they threw at us to try to get us to bite onto this tongues thing was, this is, a, this is a prayer you pray and the devil can't understand you. Even the devil can't understand you. I was like, wow, the devil can't understand me. Why should that matter? 
why does it matter if he can understand me or not? Matter of fact, I kind of hope he understands every word of it. I hope it's like fingernails on a chalkboard in his ears every time I pray in the Spirit. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And look at verse 28. We all know verse 28. And we know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to the Spirit. You see, all this is predicated upon the Spirit helping us. You know what that means? He's praying the will of God, and the will of God is always good. So whatever situation you find yourself in, you got help. You have help to be able to articulate, to put into words so that you can bring this matter, this into matter in your life so you can see it with your eyes, experience it right here in this world, right here in your life, right here in your situation, right here in your circumstance, and get the Word of God established, the will of God declared. Pray how you know to pray, but then let the Spirit help you where you don't know how. See, that's why we speak in tongues. That's the significance of Pentecost. It was, it was later on um, in chapter 10 where the first Gentile convert, let's turn over there for a moment. Brooke, I'm sorry again, I didn't give you this scripture. I'm just kind of just flowing here for a second. Is that all right? In Acts chapter 10, this, this, this first day happened, Acts chapter 2, and then Cornelius gets saved, this Gentile, and this is somewhere between five and 10 years later, all right? between five and ten years later, after the Acts chapter 2 experience, when you read it, you think it's like just a few days later. But we're talking about years have gone by. And now, <clears throat> there, uh, the angel comes and visits Cornelius, uh, this, this centurion, this, this Roman guard, this Italian, and he's, he's, he's a good man, the Scripture says. He gives, gives generously to the poor. He, he, he teaches his children the fear of the Lord. He prays to God all the time. He's a devout man. He's a man of his word. But, but he's not saved, and he's got all these good things going on in his life, and God can sense him groping for him. He can sense this man seeking him, and so he says, listen, your stuff has come up as a memorial before God. I see that you're trying to, get, you, you're trying to have a relationship with me. I need you to go send for a man named Peter. He will come and give you some words, and those words are going to save you and all of your house. You need to hear the gospel. This is the only thing that can save you. All this good stuff you're doing, it's great. It's got my attention, but it can't save you. You've got to hear a message. So they, they send for Peter and Joppa. Four days goes by since this angel's been at Cornelius' house. Peter shows up there only by the Spirit of God because his law tells him he cannot be in the house of one of another nation. But now things have changed. And so he's standing there, and he begins to preach to them. And he says, to him, all the prophets witnessed that through his name, whoever believes on him will receive remission of sins. And while Peter was still speaking those words, the scripture says the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And Peter and these other Jews who came with him were astonished because they heard them speaking with tongues and magnifying God. And Peter said, they got the same thing we did. Now, there was only, only one thing that was alike at Cornelius' house, and what happened in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. There was no rushing sound of a rushing mighty wind at Cornelius' house. There was no tongues of fire setting upon each of them. It was just they were speaking in tongues just like they were in the beginning. So then Peter said, then I remember the words of the Lord, how he said, you will indeed be baptized by the Spirit. So Peter called that speaking in tongues the baptism of the Spirit. That was the initial thing that happened. 
at Cornelius' house. The first Gentile convert not only gets saved, but he gets baptized in the Spirit. And then they get water baptized after that. This is the precedent-setting moment for our experience with God, my family. We have to remember this, how important this is to God. It needs to be important to us. And I want to encourage you today, if, if you have not experienced the baptism of the Spirit, if you, have not, if you don't speak in other tongues, don't waste another day without it. Don't li- waste. Don't live another day without it because this is an experience. This is a gift from God that will enhance your life immensely. I thank God that I was exposed to this as a young child. Now, I didn't have a lot of understanding of it back then. I had a lot of experience in it, but I didn't really know why I was doing what I was doing. The Lord jerked my chain on that and told me I need to know why I'm doing it. And so I I did a lot of in-depth study in the Scriptures and and really, really encouraged me in in speaking in tongues. And then I, I could then help others as well, and not just say, well, you just need to experience it. Well, there's, <laughs> well that's great, but there's, we need to know why. And, and, and when this says in Acts chapter 2, when it says that as the Spirit gave them utterance, that word utterance is a, is a big word. It's apophegomai, all right, something like that, about this long. And it says, not a word of everyday speech, but one belonging to dignified and elevated discourse. Isn't that awesome? And to the mind, it just sounds like baby talk. Huh? Doesn't make any sense. But this says it's dignified and elevated discourse. Wow. Let's go back to James for just a moment. Verse 6 of chapter 3. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue is a world of wickedness set among our members, contaminating and depraving the whole body and setting on fire the wheel of birth, the cycle of man's nature being itself ignited by hell. That's not a real encouraging verse of Scripture, is it? Gehenna, which is the fiery hell. Verse 7, For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea animal can be tamed and has been tamed by human genius, nature. Next. But the human tongue can be tamed by no man. It is a restless, undisciplined, irreconcilable evil full of deadly poison. Verse 9. With it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who are made in God's likeness. 10. Out of the same mouth come forth blessing and cursing. These things, my brethren, ought not to be so. Because we understand the power of the tongue, the Scripture teaches us to keep it consistent in saying the right things. You can't tame it. You have to train it. Right? You can't tame Every day, you have to apprehend your mouth and make it say the right kinds of things. Tomorrow morning, when you wake up, your tongue is going to be just as wild as it ever was. And you, every day, you're just going to have to, you're going to, have to show it who's boss. Right? It, you don't have to speak everything that's on your mind. And if you would do us a great service, please don't. And I'm talking to myself too. Amen. Learn how to train that tongue so that your life then can, can experience all that God has for you. 1 Corinthians 14, I'll finish with this. In verse 2, Paul teaches us just some real practical things that happen and the reasons why we, uh, we speak in tongues. It says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to 
God. See, this is another way for us to connect to our Heavenly Father. It's another avenue He's offered for us. I mean, isn't that awesome? I want, I want every avenue that I can get to connect with God. And this is one way to do it right here. And He's giving the unction. He's giving the utterance. I'm just giving Him my voice and my tongue. Right? Uh, your will has to be in. A lot of people are kind of waiting for God to come down and grab a hold of their tongue and go, blah, blah, blah. I'll do it when the Lord decides He wants me to do it. No, He wants you to do it already. He wants you to want it, though. He needs you to will it. He needs you to offer up your voice and your tongue. This is a partnership. Amen. In this thing together. For He speaks in a tongue, does not speak to men, but to God. Uh, but to God. For no one understands Him. However, in the Spirit, now watch, this isn't just nonsense. In the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. Or literally translated, the secrets of God. Wow. See, he, God wants his secrets out. He wants his secrets revealed. And they're not going to be revealed unless we're revealing them, unless we're declaring these things. Okay? But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Hey, listen. This is one, if you're having a Bad day, you're feeling low, pray in the Spirit. Build yourself up. Amen. He who prophesies edifies the church. Uh, Jude says it like this. Building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. You need that. Verse, let's jump down to verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So get that. When you're, you're, when you're praying in the Spirit, your, your mind's not... It doesn't have anything to do with that, all right? This is disconnected from your faculty of speech. This is something that the utterance is coming from here, not from here. Our spirit prays apart from our understanding. Um, And then verse 15, what is the conclusion then? What is the conclusion then? This is what Paul says. Listen, I'm going to pray in the spirit, and I'm going to pray how I know to pray. I'm going to pray with the understanding. I'm going to do all of it is what he's saying. I'm going to sing with the Spirit, and I'm going to sing with the understanding. What I do know and what I don't know, because God is, it's all God. This is so beautiful. It's hard to understand a lot of these things when it comes to God, the things of the Spirit. Revelation many times comes when you first believe, and then the understanding comes. Verse What is the conclusion? I will. See, he says, I will. Four different times he says in that one verse, 15, I will, I will, I will, I will. So it's not going to happen unless you will. Right? You're in control of when and when you don't pray in the Spirit. Okay? Otherwise, verse 16, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place? In other words, he's talking. Paul's talking about a setting like this. We're in a church service. How is he who's in the same room with you say amen at your giving of thanks since he doesn't understand what you say? Now, Paul did teach us that when we pray in the Spirit, again, we're giving thanks. This is a prayer of thanksgiving to God. Isn't that interesting? But how can anybody get anything out of it if they can't understand you? For indeed, you give thanks well, but the other's not edified. So this says that we bless and give thanks to God. Now, Paul is saying this as someone, as an individual who's standing up in a church service and declaring a tongue without an interpretation. I mean, we're not going to get anything out of that. The only biblical demonstration that we have of people speaking in tongues is when everybody's doing it together. It happened in Acts chapter 2. It happened at Cornelius' house. It happened in Acts chapter 19. You can see it a few places. That's the only biblical demonstration. Now, we have teaching on how to do it as an individual in a church, but it's, if it's going to be in a church when one person is standing up, then they need to bring an interpretation so that we all can get something out of it. Otherwise, just... Pray to yourself. Amen? 
So you're edifying yourself in it, and, the, and you can edify the body when there's brought an interpretation to it. We bless and we give thanks to God. This prayer of thanksgiving is a sacrifice that is well-pleasing to God, and it's our greatest expression that we can give to acknowledge what God has done for us. So I want to encourage you that the significance of Pentecost is not something to overlook or to minimize or to do without. This baptism of the Spirit is something that Jesus himself does. Jesus said, or John said of Jesus, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The Holy Spirit and with fire. That fire is representative of the tongue. The tongue is a fire. I want to finish with this story. Most of you have heard me tell this story, but I realized when this happened just how real and how wonderful this power is. I mean, how powerful it is. My brother-in-law, Derek Miller, um, was dating my sister. This is many, many years ago. But dating my sister, and he was a, he was a Lutheran kid and wasn't even a very good Lutheran. Didn't, didn't, didn't go to to church very often, you know, but, but that's what he claimed. You know, I'm Lutheran, and most of the time that's tradition because my dad was a Lutheran, I'm a Lutheran, because my grandpa was a Lutheran, I'm a Lutheran. You know, it's just, just by association more than anything. And, but he started dating my sister, and uh, I had known him before they were dating because he and I both had rock bands out in San Angelo, and sometimes we'd play together at different bars and stuff. Now, their band wasn't a Christian band like ours was. We were there to minister, and, but, you know, we, we messed with other bands in, in, in town. And he was in one of them, and, and also uh, we had things in common like sports. We love sports, especially football, and so we like to talk about that. And as we're getting to know Derek, he's coming into the family. They get engaged, and my sister told him, you're going to come to my church if you're going to be my husband. And he said, okay. And, you know, when he first started coming, it was like, whoa. But he, he got used to it, you know. And over time, this hunger started to build in him for this experience, to be baptized in the Spirit. And so my sister calls me one night and she says, you and Heather come over. Derek wants to, wants to be baptized in the Spirit. I said, okay. So we got in the car and drove over to their house and we walk in and Derek has Sports Center on the TV. And um, he's sitting on the couch and I'm like, hey, Derek. He's like, hey. And Jennifer grabs my wife and says, looks at me and says, get him. And then she runs off to a back room with my wife. I'm like, no, I'm not doing this by myself. Are you kidding me? And they're gone before I can even, I'm like, mm, Okay. Hey Derek, we don't have a we don't have a keyboard playing. We don't have any kind of church atmosphere to kind of feel this moment. He's got Sports Center. I'm like, um, how about them Cowboys? Huh? He hates the Cowboys, so he. Would... So you want to talk in tongues? That's just how it. Is. So you want to talk in tongues? He said, Yeah. I said, Okay. Well. Let's look over some scriptures, okay? Okay. So I, I went over some of the scriptures like we did here uh, together. And, and uh, I said, so now the scripture says um, that the, in Luke chapter 11, it says that the, your heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. So why don't you just ask him for the gift of the Spirit? And then I'm just going to start praying in tongues, and then you're going to start praying in tongues too. It's that easy, Derek, okay? He's like, okay. And inside I'm like, Lord, Please let him get it quick. This is so awkward. Just please. I don't want to just be sitting there babbling in tongues for an hour. So he says, he says something simple like this, Lord. I pray for the gift of the Spirit. Baptize me in the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
I said, okay. So I started speaking in tongues. And I mean like two seconds. Boom, 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 boom. He starts, this river starts coming out. And I was like, thank you, Lord. And he's, you know what was interesting? I never had a conversation about God or the Bible with Derek. He just wasn't that person that I would have that kind of conversation with. We talked music and sports. That was it. He just wasn't that friend, you know? And he could cuss a blue streak. My gosh. I'm not I'm talking about just your average. He was creative at it. <laughs> I know you, you think about Derek today. Some of you know him. You're like, I mean, good at it. Ears itching. I'm like, man, I thought I heard everything, Derek. <laughs> good Lord. You know, what's, you know what's interesting? The moment he got baptized in the Spirit, he stopped. He didn't even, he didn't even try to stop. It wasn't like an effort to like, you Nothing like that. It just wasn't in him anymore. A whole new... He curbed that nature, didn't he? When he got the right words in his mouth. One week later, he calls my phone. And I said, hey, Derek, what's up? He said, hey, I was um, reading in the book of Proverbs this morning. And I was reading this verse of Scripture. And if if I'm right, is this what it says? I'm like shocked, right? I'm like, Derek, this is Derek? Like, all of a sudden, he looks at the Bible, and now things start making sense. It was like reading Braille before that. And now, all of a sudden, he's got the Spirit working. He's been baptized, and all the lights are coming on. And, we, and now, we talk Bible more than we talk sports or music now when we talk to each other. Now, he's pastoring the church in Dallas, he and my sister. But just in that setting, my family, it was that simple. We, we weren't worked up to something like we used to do in the Pentecostal church. You had to work it up to, ah! you know, before we could have any kind of move of God. We were just sitting in the living room, just muted sports center, and he started speaking in tongues, and his life was changed. I mean, just started moving in another direction. This is a very real help for me. Very real help. So I hope that encourages you today. This is such a wonderful day to honor the person of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you've sent your Spirit here to us to dwell in us. That same spirit that raised the Lord Jesus from the dead is in us. Dwelling. A very present help. And we want your help, Lord. We need your help. And we thank you that you give us this utterance to help us so that our lives, we can experience in our life what you came to give us. Life and abundance in this life. Thank you, Lord. Lord, there are some here today who need this. They need to let you borrow their tongue. And I pray today, God, that you would just give them the peace of Almighty God, that they'll step into this thing today, receive it, and experience the power and the glory of the baptism of the Spirit. Bless all of these here today. Thank you for the incredible gospel, the good news that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day. And whoever believes on him will have everlasting life. And that gospel has opened us up to experiences like this. Being in Christ, you offer this help of this utterance of the Spirit. So we welcome it. And if you're here today and you you do 
uh, pray in the Spirit. Make it a regular, everyday thing. It's something that you have to purpose to do because it's not manufactured by your own thinking. It's something that you really have to think about. It's something that you have to remember. I need to do that. I need to activate that today. Let the Spirit speak. Let Him help me today. Let Him guide my day. Amen. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.